Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. Welcome to the show. How are you? Ah, great. Thanks. Yourself. Thanks for having us. 
I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. It's great to have you guys now. I, uh, I love the album. I'm looking forward to getting some insights into it. So you released it. It's your debut album, Eating Dirt. It was out on June 2nd. What can you tell us about it? Oh, well, um, this one, we pretty much, the way we compiled it for the album, we more like, like a set list, almost like we like we would play live. More of a performance so, album. Yeah, more of a performance album, you could say. So we start off with a bang and then end. Which, a way you wouldn't expect us to end. Yeah, yeah, we, after, yeah, you wouldn't expect it from, I guess, Drumfish after all the live shows that we end up, end out on a, the quiet song, a key hey, acoustic uh, song, yeah. yeah. You know, debut albums, they're, you know, it's a, a big statement for a band. It's something you put out there to tell the audience what you're all about. What do you want people to get from the album? Mm, I think a lot of the stuff that you hear today, uh, a lot of the popular stuff uh, isn't as heavy as it used to be. And I think uh, a lot of things sound the same. So it's it's nice to hear people like actual people playing instruments and um, bands in general. So I think for us, it's just to be like as heavy and loud. And we don't want the album to sound too overproduced. So we want it to sound like a live show almost, but just a bit neater, yeah. if that makes any sense. It still sound like a song. Yeah. <laughs> and how did you go about achieving that kind of live sound in the studio? Uh, crap loads of fuzz. For one, I guess. <laughs> I think every song has a different type of fuzz on it almost. Fuzz layered on fuzz. Um I think we started a lot of the songs out like how we would start it out in a set. We didn't uh, I don't think the producer, sound engineer, slash sound engineer put much uh effects on anything. It was more or less straight from the pedal or from the amp or from the drums and it must feel like a long road to get to this point releasing the album how does it feel to finally have it out there and let people hear it it feels good um we've been listening to the album like over and over since we finished it before it came out so we're kind of over it now i'm glad it's out and done with but it's uh, it's pretty exciting for us um big step for the band yeah yeah and you know, you guys have been together three years now in September. How did Drumfish come to be? Um, we kind of treated like a marriage, a good marriage between three men. Well, almost <laughs> men. Right. Uh, where if we have a, a problem on the day, we'll resolve it before we go to bed and we'll see each other at the next practice. Uh, we, we don't like we don't like tension in the band. It's like bad vibes for everyone. It doesn't end up being good. Uh, but that wasn't the question. The question uh, was, how did the band start? How did the band start? <laughs> uh, well, I, it, it's cool because uh, we all were like friends um, uh, from high school. From high school, so with me and Charles, I met Charles first, and um, then. He's kind of older than me, so he left school. Then I met Sydney, and we started like hanging out, started playing, started jamming, and then yeah, and I mean we started a music club that was kind of crappy, but anyways, um, it was post lockdown. 
just like right after lockdown. Where we started the band. Yeah. I guess a lot of bands started because you're forced into like doing it. Boredom with nothing to do. Yeah. Um, and we needed a bassist and we needed a, a singer and everyone sort of just oh, naturally. Come on, I ended up as a singer. Yeah. <laughs> Back then compared to now that COVID, the lockdowns are over. How does it compare, you know, is it what you expected? I think expectations are pretty much over the moon now. We've come a lot further than we expected it. I was, I guess, just a little hobby in the beginning. Yeah. We didn't expect it to go very far. And now we're almost three years down the line with an album out and several singles. And when it comes to making new music then, you know, what's the process? Who's the songwriter? Is it a collaborative effort? Um, I used to write songs on my own and then bring them to the band, but then it would like just change completely. So I, I stopped doing that and just we started. We've like begun writing a lot of it as a complete band. I see, I see. And at this stage, so we'll dive into your history when it comes to music to give the listeners a sense of where you come from. So, if you can, can you remember your earliest musical memories? Uh, yeah, definitely uh, family holidays and listening to like old R&B's hits and old country hits and old pop like ABBA and um, anything from the eight, from no from the 70s to the 90s was probably um, so ACDC, ABBA, Beatles. I think for me, Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi. For me, it would have been um, I was much younger and I got like I got one of those MP3s and just loaded a crap load of music that I would get from everyone. And that's when it's really started. Like music became everything mm. for me. And now, now I feel like if, if you're not listening to music all the time, what, what the hell are you doing with your life? True. True. <laughs> <laughs> and did you guys grow up in a musical household? You know, was there lots of support for music at home? Not really. Um, I think the sport's there, I suppose, but no no one really else in my family is musical. I might have hated the band. (laughs) Your dad hates the band, but he used to play guitar. Yeah. Uh, I think he knows he doesn't want you to end up jobless. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't want you to be better than him. (laughs) That's probably it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, it's not a mine. And I'm always saying when you get into your teenage years, it's kind of like when you really start taking music in, you know, and you you find like-minded people and it almost creates a community around music. So as teenagers, what sort of music were you being exposed to and how do you think it molded you into the musicians you are today? For me, it was really weird. Um, back to that whole MP3 thing. I can't remember where I got it, but but I had um I had System of a Down on there and I had other heavy stuff and then all of a sudden there'd be like a couple of songs from early Nicki Minaj. Right. Which was super weird now that I think back <laughs> to it. <laughs> and I don't listen to it anymore, but back then it was cool. <laughs> back, back then it, I like enjoyed it. <laughs> um I think me was like for some reason I was like into like electronic house music like that was my thing and then uh getting an instrument for the first time then you get introduced to 
grunge, and then everything changes. There was there was the whole awkward dubstep era. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. So, what's the uh, the local scene like? You know, when you're trying to get a band off the ground, is it is it very difficult over in South Africa? Um, I think for us, it was quite easy actually. Thinking back, there's this um, uh, venue called Rumors Lounge. And at the time, they were bringing in all these, up, like, well, not up and coming, but like bands. Small that were time, just, big time. Small time, big time bands that were just starting out. And they'd give them their talk, uh, a chance at the stage and just experiencing that. So I think we were very, very grateful and very lucky for that. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's there's lots of big bands, big rock bands in South Africa. Do you find that they're kind of eager to lend a hand to the up and coming bands and say like, yeah, come on, jump on the tour with us or jump on a gig supporting us. Uh, yeah, we've been lucky to open for larger bands before we've opened for fuck off Belisica and the then we and the narrow and, uh, rough magic and rough magic. That was a great one. Yeah. I, I love rough magic. They're good friends of the show. Actually, I'm after uh, chatting with them a couple of times. They're a great bunch of guys. Very, very nice and super down to earth, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And as a concert goer, then, I have to ask, what concerts have made you guys? Uh, Well, the only one I've I've been to was Guns N' Roses. (laughs) But, uh, and Vanderboom from South Africa opened for them. Um, So, I'm not the biggest Guns N' Roses fan, but I mean... If you're going to see a band like them in a stadium, uh, that's more than enough to like make you want to play in a band. After seeing Welcome to the Jungle or Paradise City. And... <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that one because I had Martin from Vanderboom on and he spoke a lot about that gig, what it was like playing that gig and supporting Guns N' Roses. So it's funny you you mention it there. They, yeah, I... The funny thing about that was I didn't even realize it was Wonderboom until I knew Wonderboom was like a couple of years back. Yeah, entering the scene, you hear you hear about all these bands that you previously didn't know about, and you're like, "Wow, fuck, there's some good stuff out there." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what about the rest of you guys? What concerts made you? Um, I've actually, I've never been to a concert before. Really? No, you've been to drumfish shows. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not as great. Uh, uh personally i've been to i got to see the pixies when they came here oh man that was great we did that instead of going to the trick after party things <laughs> and I then um, i saw iron maiden that was very fun very theatrical uh, i've seen like i don't know <laughs> my first concert was actually embarrassing uh my first concert was uh george benson <laughs> that's definitely where my heavy interest from of course <laughs> right right and uh i'm looking forward to this now for any listeners that haven't caught one of your shows what can they expect try give them the full experience if you can so there's drumfish on the stage that's it no <laughs> it's a drumfish show it's super loud um there's lots of fuzz high energy Big crashes, big shitloads of drums, uh, screamy vocals. Not screamy vocals, but more shouting. We like that. 
<laughs> but it's super loud and super energetic. We're up in your face. Fast, yeah. halftime beats, headbanging stuff. Um, Charles does a thing where he uh, will sometimes, uh, more often these days, take on the mic itself and go into the crowd. Drop the guitar, uh, start the singing with the crowd. and Because uh, I guess if, if you can't, like if your songs aren't good enough, then you got to like grab a guy by the shirt and be like, Get up and do something. Saying our songs aren't good. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) And how do you guys work on your stage show? How do you perfect it and make sure it's better than the last? We're always... Jägermeister. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No Jägermeister before the show. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we're always learning uh, from the previous shows. We'll still be like, oh, wow, that was a really good show. Or crap, let's not do that again. Yeah, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) But definitely from the practice space, because then like no one's watching us and we can just do whatever we want. And yeah, we definitely have the whole like dance like nobody's watching vibe on stage. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it, Ari. It's also better than picturing the audience naked. Yeah, it's true. Mm, it never <laughs> work. It doesn't work. <laughs> your mom's in the crowd. What? <laughs> Is there a gig that you've played that so far is the best experience you've had uh, no, 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 no. i think opening for the narrow i think is definitely top that's three yeah that's definitely my favorite mm-hmm. uh that was a crazy show by far i was i was in the crowd i ended up on some guy's shoulders oh yes that was practice i had the mark and i was just like shouting he's like half your size actually yeah <laughs> uh that was a terrific show. That was that was great. I, I think all the, the the ones we opened for big bands was a great because <laughs> um, there's definitely a lot of crowds to play for, uh, and we do well with big crowds. We don't really do well. We feel like I don't know. Yeah. Like demeanor changes when it's like uh, just family and friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good one though. How do you? At the shows where there may not be a lot of people, a smaller show, how do you get the energy up in the audience? I we we would still play uh like there's five hundred people in the show mm. if there were just twenty people there. We would still put that same amount of effort in. I think yeah, because like there's no point. Um you've gone all that way, you've loved all that gear. And we enjoy playing. Like, yeah, we just want to play, really. Uh, we enjoy playing with each other, not in the <laughs> <real> way. <laughs> As a band of three men. <laughs> right, right. To switch it around, is there a gig experience that you would say was maybe the worst experience you've had, and how did you deal with it? Yes, uh, definitely there is one that comes to mind uh, at the Texas Bar. <laughs> <laughs> there was definitely... Um, all <laughs> of the top two worst shows. That's definitely number one. We were um, drinks were flowing, um, weed was being smoked, and then we got up on stage. And then I was oh, leading up to that. I was I, I was like losing my voice. Luckily, uh, and drums. The drummer was playing like a different song. Oh yeah, Yakin was playing a different song. He had the the smoke machine was right behind him, so none of us could see him. Um, Sydney was just he was just vibing. You were great. He was just doing his own thing in the corner. I probably thought that you were playing wrong because I was playing wrong. 
it's just one of those one of those shows where everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Right, right. And how did you guys overcome it? Uh, we definitely drink a lot less before the show. <laughs> <laughs> we're not we're not like Pantera. We get drunk. And- we practiced a lot more, so like if I can't see Yakin, I can still tell where he's going to be mm. in a sense. Mm. And how do you guys approach getting your music out to new listeners? What do you find is the best way that works? Mm, I feel like someone told me that it's good to not sell your music. So you sell like merch and you sell, well, not sell, but you promote like videos of the songs. And we like doing meme stuff. Don't, Don't listen to the music. Watch the performance and then listen to the music. Right, right. That's a good one. I haven't heard before, actually. Um, yeah, it's easier to because I I feel like people have like short attention spans, and that's why like Instagram posts, TikTok stuff, uh, it's quick, and if they see it and they like it, then then cool. But if you're promoting, hey, I've got an album out, and you're just saying, oh, I've got an album out, then no one's really gonna pay attention. Uh, unless you've got great footage, you've got uh, great promo, and yeah. But I, I also feel like um, uh, it's still good to like go out to your neighborhood and tell, like, I don't know, give out flyers or just go to random stores and say, "Hey, I've got an album out," and give them physical things to show that you've got an album out, like CD and yeah, old school way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It can't be the old school ways. And, you know, as a band at your level, how do you approach finding gigs and hopefully in the future setting up tours? That's usually left up to your keen. Every so often I'll like, um, attempt booking a gig and sometimes come right, but usually he's the guy, he's emailing and WhatsApping. You, uh, our first gig that we got at Rumors Lounge, uh, I spam the guy like a gazillion times. Uh, hey, can we pay this thing? Can we pay it? Can we pay it? And he finally gives us a show, but we're not even a band yet. Okay, uh, you guys want to play in three weeks time? And we haven't even practiced once yet. And I said yes, because I'm just an idiot. <laughs> but you still do that. <laughs> Sydney only joined a band a week after that. Um, we have to, to write like, songs and then learn some covers just to fill the time recruitment of- we were we were a five piece in the beginning <laughs> somehow and what kind of antics do you guys get up to backstage at gigs then uh lots of nitrous no um well i can i tell them Go on, it's only us chatting. You might as well. <laughs> uh, well, um, actually, I think we're not like a hook up, hook up with chicks or and do drugs kind of band. We just we like we kind of just mull around and pace back and forth before the show. We just want to play. Just waiting. Drinking's fun though. Drinking's great. Um, and watching bands and like, uh, like bands, especially that you know, it's great. Obviously, um, we're big instigators in the crowd. Yeah, always want to do much stuff. Building up to our show, even though I'm not the biggest person. 
Yeah, your, your, your king gets thrown around in the marsh. <laughs> <laughs> He's got scars to prove it. <laughs> and is there any bands or musicians in particular that you model yourselves after that you look at and say, yeah, I want to be like them? I think we each have our own role models, sort of. I really look up to uh, Tars the Girl and just like the stuff he does with his album releases. He's got like acoustic and then like everything before that was just full on garage rock, loud. Um, said what you got. See, I don't really have any inspirations there. I'm big into like events sevenfold and I like my power metal. Power metal, 80 stuff. Yeah, definitely. Like it's very synthy. <clears throat> Um, techno that's not so Sid gives us the breakdowns in the band. Um, like it's you, I feel like for a bassist, I know it's off topic, but if you want to be a good bassist, you have to be a good guitarist. And he is that, and that's why he's the perfect bassist. <laughs> um, but uh, for me, it would be uh, Foo Fighters because I'm just a Foo Fighters nerd and Fighters. Foo Fighters. Um yeah, I, I like that um I like that they they still like making stuff that isn't very like I don't know mainstream mainstream in a sense. Yes, it is in a sense, but like they still uh write great stuff and they're still pro like doing a lot of work compared to a lot of the uh bands that are still around. Um but also just anything punk in general, punk stuff. Like, and Idols is bringing punk back in the UK, so uh, stuff like them and Turnstile, and there's a lot. Yeah, yeah. And I have to ask, since you mentioned the Foo Fighters, what do you think of the latest album? Um, well, I think since they released it on the same day as Drumfish's album, they definitely got some competition, you know? Definitely. Do you um, see they were copying you guys? 100%. Uh, <laughs> It's a very sad album, I must say, but very good. Mm. I actually think it's one of their best albums since maybe, I don't know, uh, One by Wasting One. Or, yeah, yeah. It's definitely the best thing to put out in years anyway. I agree. I have a question as well. What do you think of the uh, new drummer? I think he definitely has the chops, but it'll be interesting to see how he does when they go on tour you know and maybe a year down the line look back and see what he's like then you know he has big shoes to fill and from his point of view it's going to be a tough job because he's never going to live up to Taylor in the fans eyes you know yeah I feel like any drummer that you put there they should have just cloned Dave and made him play <laughs> yeah <laughs> I actually I thought for sure that they'd give the job to Taylor's son I was thinking the same. Uh, my bed was on, a, <laughs> probably not Nandy Bushell, but uh, that would have been funny if it was. Yeah. Um, but maybe Rufus Taylor from mm. The Darkness. Yeah, actually. Yeah, although I think they're touring a lot at the moment themselves, so they probably wouldn't have uh, wouldn't have worked out. And he looks like a bigger version of Taylor, like he ate Taylor, so you don't <laughs> want to have that with you as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. 
And back to your guys' shows then, you know, the few minutes before you get on stage, what's going through your mind? Did you keen bring his high hat this time? Did he leave his part to fly? Um uh well uh, um you usually like more prepared than all of us yeah I, I don't like getting on stage and then having to search for something mm. i'm usually there like just getting my shit together and just like uh, preparing myself mentally for the show um i think i think before it was like i think now we're a lot more comfortable yeah but you still have to. We still have to go run off and find your keen because the show is about to start and we haven't found him yet. And you know, after the show, you're filled with all that energy. How do you wind down? Push mm. the next band. We, yeah, we don't. Like we, we wind up. We keep winding up. I think from there, <laughs> we wait for the next band to go down. We, like I said, we instigate in the in the, in the mosh pit. Uh, yeah. After party, in a sense. After party <laughs> on the floor, yeah. Because um, you want you want the bands to do that for you as well. Next time, yeah, we don't really want to lose that that high we have from being off the stage. Yeah, yeah, true. And say hypothetically, you play like the best gig of your lives. Saturday night, the place is packed. You guys are on fire. You wake up the next morning, and it's kind of back to reality. How do you deal with that feeling? Book the next gig. Look for the, yeah, look, look for the next look, one. Look for the next big hit. I don't think Usually we, the day after the show is just a, like a rest day, almost. Try to get rid of the hangover. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like three little kids after sugar rush. And like, oh, I don't want to get up anymore. <laughs> and as a band then, how do you guys measure success? What does success mean to you? I, I I don't I feel I feel like I feel like we'll 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 get there, but I feel like maybe we have accomplishments so far uh, that we've succeeded in. Like, I feel like a big one is releasing the album. That's definitely a big accomplishment, a big feeling of success for us. And I I, I think we're proud of like the sound and. Uh, we've definitely, you know, we've definitely figured out our sound now at this point in the band, and we know where we're going. This album, a lot of it is just stuff from when we first started, and now we're we're branching out from here. So this is pretty much a stepping stone. Yeah, I think I think we know like now what we want to, what kind of stuff we want to make, and uh, uh, I think it's we sort of figuring out how to write together easier than before. We've already, yeah, we've already begun writing for the next, the next EP. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to bring that up later. Um, How are you guys going to follow up this album? Tell us about what you're writing at the moment, if you can. This, the next EP is going to be recording it, the leftovers. So it's also, um, it's a lot of stuff that um, when we first formed, but we're also, we're reinventing it and revitalizing it because we don't, we found that it's it's a bit stale. So um, we're trying to bring the songs back to life by 
writing them in a way where we are now as a band with mm. our current sound. Yeah, and you know, I noticed that a lot of bands when they're starting off, they maybe have like a roadmap of things they want to take off to get to where they are. So say five years time, where do you guys want to be as a band? Touring over the sea, that's it. Mm. Definitely, definitely uh, touring. Having having at least a tour under our belts. Um, yeah, like um, touring, music video. I think she, uh, can we... Possibly we... a second album. Five years. Five years. <laughs> uh, possibly a third album. Uh, I And maybe... F- Five years is a good time for us to all get hitched. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to each other now or to uh, other people? Um, well, I guess if we find a... Just, a, just a the three of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love triangle. <laughs> and how do you guys, at this stage in your career, how do you guys make, you know, labels and PR companies take notice of you guys? That's Charles's department. Oh, that, that, that's a tough one because we we do a lot of it ourselves, the promoting, and it's it's tough. But we usually get bar. So if there any if there are any PR labels, uh, PR companies or labels out there, please hit me up. <laughs> we yeah we like do all like the promo videos and all the flyers for the flyers and the write ups for the posts, trying to like market it the best way possible we can. But it's hard. That's for sure. That's for sure. It's uh, especially uh, when you're at the stage where you know you have to focus on the music, the shows, and then the the promotion. It's kind of it, you're splitting yourself all over the place and spreading yourself thin. But I think uh, we we it's nice because like everyone ha- like has stuff that they want to do and they're good at and. Uh, we kind of like our own little family company or something. Yeah, our own little PR company label thing. <laughs> <laughs> Could always go ahead and start your own one. Be the best there way you to go. promote your own your own music. <laughs> yeah, what do we call it? The drumfish records. Drumfish records. I'm sure there's another name to come up with. <laughs> And before we dive into the last couple of questions, so what are your future plans? We've heard that you're writing new music. Is there any big gigs coming up or anything that you'd like to promote? Uh, at the moment, we've got a gig next week, Saturday on the 24th. We're playing at Rumors Lounge. So going back to our roots, in a sense, um, uh, for a modeling agency. They're organizing the event. It's for charity. Uh, it's, a, it's a pride show. It's a pride charity, um, yeah. With, charity um, event. I think the big artist there would be an and. artist called NGU, who's doing pretty well in SA. Um, so that's that's going to be pretty uh, exciting. Um, and we haven't played Rumors in a while, so... It'll be good to get back, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll dive into the last couple, so... If you could see any performer from history in concert for one night only, who would it be? Uh, for me, right now, it would be idols. I'd be super keen to see them. 
Good one. Good one. Uh, Roger, you said, I'd love to see the Beatles. The Beatles version. Yeah, I um, hmm. Ah, I I think, I think, uh, the Foos. I like the Foos. By Wood Taylor. Wood Taylor there, because it, it just doesn't hit the same, you know? Yeah, yeah. I saw them back in, I think it was 2019 now, and oh man, they put on one hell of a show. Uh, what uh, was was it like in a festival thing? It was no, it was just a their headlining concert. I can't even remember. They were so good that I can't even remember who the support acts were. Damn. Yeah, there was a. It was in a big stadium in Ireland, and oh man, they just blew the whole crowd away. And the next one, so it's a bit odd. If you had to spend 24 hours locked inside a room with any musician from history, who would it be? I think uh, maybe maybe Kurt. Kurt Cobain. That would be interesting. Right, right. Why so? Um, I feel like um, he's a nice guy, but like... Uh, uh, and and obviously he's 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 got his like you know dark side to him, but also like just he's very smart. Um, uh, and you can tell me he's songwriting secrets. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. And the uh, rest of you guys. So do you... I don't even know. <laughs> uh... I wouldn't mind being locked in the um uh, with Jack Watt. I really enjoy his his guitar playing and his techniques and just his guitar tone is terrific. Yeah, actually, that would be a really good one because he's like a genius when it comes to the production side of things as well. You could learn so much about it. And you, Sydney? Uh, who's your favorite uh, bassist? See, I'd say Flea. Flea. The only bassist you know. <laughs> uh, I don't need to talk about that. But, but it would be a... <laughs> Like it would be a weird. That would be scary. Yeah, because you don't know what to expect from. Is he going to take his pants off? (laughs) (laughs) Are you going to take your pants off? (laughs) Yeah, that twenty-four hours could take a totally different turn. (laughs) (laughs) He'd be a different person coming up. (laughs) Being Vince (laughs) Slapface. And the uh, the final one. So, what song would appear on the soundtrack to your life? Ooh, ooh. Um, you go first, please. Yes, sir, go first. Oh, um, that's interesting. Find a song. Find some songs, yeah. I'd say... Uh, okay, I got it, I got it. Uh, Idols, Mr. Motivator. Nice. Right, right. Always gets me up in the morning. <laughs> Mine would be Monkey Junction by Weed Eater. <laughs> Right, right. What is it about that song that speaks to you? Just the slow, doomy, fuzzed out bass. Just the way it, just the way they play. Oh, his vocals are great. I could live my life to that song. Uh, Sid, what you got? I choose a song called Resonance by Home. It just, it's how I always feel. Perfect one. So listen, guys, thanks a million for jumping on. I've uh, I've really enjoyed chatting with you now. Likewise. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Yeah. <laughs>
the clouds Go tell your mother I'm home I've been out Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify. And if you're interested in signing up the Band Builder Academy, use the link in the show notes below and enter the code CONCERTS and you'll receive 10% off. So, until next time, keep rocking. Hey! Hey, what are you guys still doing there? The show's over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here. Bye.